0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I am recording by myself. <laughs> when I told my friend Noah that, he thought it was going to go something like this. Hey Fiona, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, Fiona. Um, just, you know, living life in quarantine. Oh, that's great, Fiona. So can I ask you a couple questions about your career, Fiona? Oh my god, Fiona, that would be the best. Okay, Fiona, so... You um, grew up in Maryland, is that correct? Um, Yes. Uh, Thank you, Fiona, for asking. I did a lot of theater in Maryland growing up. Um, Fiona, are you familiar with theater? No, Fiona, I'm not. Uh, Actually, I am, Fiona. I guess, yeah. I promise it's not going to be like that. (laughs) I'm, like, so nervous, but um, I just thought that it was about time that I kind of explained my experiences and why I started this podcast in the first place. Um, I especially figured if I if I want to keep asking guests to share their experiences, um, I owe it to them as well to be kind of transparent with mine. So that's what we're doing today. Um, and I try to prepare in the same way that I would for any guest, but I don't know it's just different when you're talking about yourself so if I get a little awkward that's why um which is funny to me because you know I studied acting and I'm an extrovert and I love talking to people but I feel so much more self-conscious performing like as myself um I don't know it's just different than acting I I liked acting because I could adopt a different voice and a different character and it's still like a very personal experience to put yourself on stage like that but there's something about being yourself that feels so much more intimidating to me so um, I'll do my best to be myself and hopefully in an eloquent way that you can follow. Um, So with that I did write a bio because I always ask a guest to write a bio. I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland to a family of Irish musicians and after graduating from Penn State with a degree in theater performance I moved to New York and began auditioning. Now I spend my time ghostwriting for online publications, singing Irish music with my family, and producing this podcast. So let's get into it. Um I'm actually recording this episode a year from the day that I moved home from New York, which, you know, I thought would be two weeks and it turned into eight months. Um, So by that calculation, you can probably tell that I have since moved back to the city, but I'm home again this week doing some St. Patrick's Day gigs with my family Um, and yeah I don't know I just it felt like the right time to kind of reflect on the year I'm not I don't think I'm going to talk about the pandemic as much as you know I I don't know everyone's talking about how it's been a year and I don't really intend on having that conversation per se but um, it did feel like the right time to record this and talk about my post-grad journey and um, why I ended up doing this in the middle of the pandemic. So Thoughtful Intentions is something that I kind of wanted to do in the past as well, but in a different capacity. Um, when I was in college, I had a lot of stress and anxiety about um, what would happen after school. I just, I I really just didn't know what to expect and um had a lot of fear about that and I really always looked up to people who were artists but in a very unique way or like had a unique path about them. Um, one of my professors from college especially I thought was just so cool and I'm probably going to botch his bio a bit but from what I remember he went to law school and became a lawyer and then um, went back to grad school for acting because it was something that he enjoyed doing when he was growing up and wanted to get back into it um, and then was doing a theater in New York um, and kind of went back and forth between acting and being a lawyer for, oh, and he was in the army. I hope I didn't make that up. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But anyway, like just very different experiences that you wouldn't expect to go together, but they go together because it's him, you know? It it doesn't have to I don't know, it doesn't have to be like one single brand for a person. It's like it's just it's your personhood. It's who you are and what you're interested in and all those things can make sense because it's you. Um and in a similar way, my dad has a lot of those qualities. You know, he have a, he has such a wide variety of experiences and um, things that you wouldn't normally expect to like add up, um, but they do because it's him. So with that being said, in college, I, wanted to do a documentary style film which I kind of still intend on doing um, called A Tribute to the Artist's Anxiety Every Path is the Right Path Um, and just like you know interview style of how people have gotten to where they are so stay tuned in case I actually do that (laughs) Um, but in the meantime this has kind of been the way that I get to learn about those things learn about how people get from point A to point B and all the things that happen in between because I feel like a lot of our society focuses on the product and the end result and you don't hear so much about um, how did you do it you know what did you do in between like what what was the journey to this point point? Um, and I think that conversation is so much more valuable because It's something that everyone goes through, but it's not the part that people talk about. So when you're going through it by yourself, feeling like you're completely alone or the only person on the earth that's experiencing these things, um, it's important to be reminded that you're not. And I just think it's a great way to get ideas, honestly, about like the different things you can do or like the ways you can apply your skill sets um, in ways that you probably hadn't thought of before. So I've gotten a a lot of good ideas just from talking to people who have been in a similar field or like has similar interests and just hearing about the things, the ways that they have applied their interests and skill sets. I'm like, oh my god, I would have never thought about that before. Thank you. So that's kind of a few reasons why I started this podcast. So What has my post-grad journey been like? Um, I tried to write down some questions for myself, (laughs) so um, that's the first one I wanted to talk about, and the only word that comes to mind is chaotic. Um, I'm going to use a few stories to kind of explain my three years, almost three years out of school, um. hopefully to frame it a little bit better. So I moved to New York September after graduating and literally had no idea what I was doing. Like, I loved my program, but um. oh my god, I knew nothing about the business side of auditioning and of Theater in general, honestly. So, when I first moved to New York, I was the only person from my class who went, and I distinctly remember getting coffee with um, a girl who was a year above me in school just to ask her, like, what the heck is an EPA? What's an ECC? What's an open call? You know, all of this like lingo that I was seeing on these audition sites that I just had no idea and was kind of embarrassed that I had no idea. So, um, you know felt awkward asking anyone else but she was so nice she explained everything to me and then I started giving it a shot so I'm, I'm sure a lot of you listening are theater people but if you're not um, an EPA is an equity principal audition so if you're in the actors union called actors equity You can go to an EPA or ECC, which is an equity chorus call, um, and you have priority to be seen. So, um, I was non-equity, I am non-equity, and what that means is that if I wanted to audition for most of the Broadway shows or national tours or regional theater, basically anything that pays well or, you know, has benefits, um... Not that they, not that you would necessarily get the benefits since you're still non-equity. Um, if I wanted to audition for any of that stuff, I had to go to a building in Midtown, wherever you know the audition was, whichever studio. <clears throat> I had to go there at 6 a.m. and write my name on a piece of paper, and then I would go home. Honestly, I would usually roll out of bed, like roll out of bed, throw on some sweatpants, and like take the train downtown, and then. Um, sign up, and then go back home, sleep a little longer, and then I would stock the blog called Audition Update to see whether or not um, the auditions I signed up for were going to see non-equity people. So like this blog literally just had threads of every auditioning happening, every audition happening that day, and um, people would anonymous why do you say that? Anonymously? People would anonymously update them. Um, so would stalk the blog. And then if by chance they were going to see non-equity, I would run- have to run over to the theater, um, assuming that they would even get to my number. So that was, kind- that was chaotic for sure. That was very chaotic. And I kind of have to laugh because when I first found out what an open call was, that's like it's exactly what it sounds like. It's open to anyone. In my brain, I was like, oh, it's an open call. So like, I don't have to show up early. Like I don't have to sign up at 6am. Like I can just go whenever I want. (laughs) So I went to this, it was an audition for Chicago um, at a regional theater. The audition started at 10am and I showed up at like 9.50, literally. And Pearl Studios was absolutely packed. And I was so flabbergasted, honestly. Um, I walked in and I noticed that the casting director was collecting headshots. So I had just signed up. I just signed up. I was number 268. And I noticed him collecting headshots. And I literally just handed him my headshot. And then I noticed him put it in a pile and he put a sticky note with the number one on top of it. So I said to him, um, is that the first group? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hand you that. I just got here. Like, I was just confused. And he looked at me and he goes, "Eh, fuck it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, and literally five minutes later, they called in the first group, which included me. Um and there were 30 of us, because there were so many people at the audition, they had to bring us in 30 at a time to the to the room. And they taught us an across the floor combination, um, which just means like a short dance combo. And I, the whole time I was learning it, I was also staring at this pile of headshots that just had my face on top of it. And of course, you know, we learn the combo and then they go, okay, we're going to do that one at a time. And guess who went first? Me. Um, So I was like, you know, did not do my best, but I tried. Um, And I like walked out of the room just in an absolute panic, honestly, of how crazy that was. And then I was kind of relieved. I was kind of like excited that I had just gotten there like 15 minutes ago and it was already over. And then I was like talking to people how I just had just gotten there 15 minutes ago and they just threw me in the first group. And then I started to notice that like people weren't super happy about that. Like, you know, no one was sharing my kind of like chaotic energy. And I was like, I should probably leave. (laughs) And I literally walked out. Um, So that was my first open call. And I kept learning in that kind of capacity, just very like trial and error. Um, and it was fun at first, and then it kind of got consistently more overwhelming. Um, I, When I first moved, I was living on the Upper West Side with some of my mom's cousins. Um, and I started nannying pretty much right away. And I was nannying for an 18 month old. So it ended up feeling like pretty lonely because I was essentially living by myself and, you know, nannying this kid that didn't talk yet. So I felt like I was just talking to myself most of the time and most of the day. And this was before um, anyone from my class had moved to New York. And I did have friends. In the city, but they all had like nine to fives, so just a very different lifestyle. Um, and the longer this went on, the more kind of I felt like I was falling behind. Um, I I really didn't realize how difficult it would be to actually just get into an audition room. Um, it's feels kind of similar to even. Getting a job interview in a way like you just need someone vouching for you. Um, it just getting to that point, and you're like, oh, I know if I get the interview, I would do so well. If I could only just get the interview, like I would crush it. Um, that's kind of how it felt like with auditioning was like if I could just get in the room. Um, but then of course, unlike with applying for a job, you literally are sitting next to competition so you can see that there are hundreds of people sitting around you that look like you that have similar skill sets to you and in some cases if an audition had too many people they would line you up outside and typecast you out of the audition so if they pointed to you and like typecast you out that just meant that they were sending you home because you didn't look the way that they wanted character to look. Um, so that never happened to me, but that was a common thing that would happen at a lot of auditions. And I don't mean to say any of this as a complaint. Um, obviously everyone knows that the theater world, the film world, all of it is pretty, um, cutthroat and competitive. And of course I knew that. Like, how do you not know that? Um, but after spending four years in school studying it, I was just surprised at how little I knew about um, the logistics. So that was kind of just like a learning curve for me. And that's all I need to do when I explain this is just explain kind of the culture for people that are not in it and to kind of frame my experience Pivoting, And if you're wondering the other way to get in an audition room without being equity, um, it's to have an agent, basically. And if you don't have a showcase after college, um, the best way to get an agent is usually through these like pay-to-play methods where you meet people like networking-wise. But like, for example, I had an old classmate who was older who like had gotten an agent and was getting all these gigs and I was like how did you get that like what like what happened and he was like oh you know you should do this thing it's called New York Connect and it's just like three days and a weekend in February like check it out it's great you get to meet all these um, people and you get a little showcase at the end that they bring agents to and by the way it's seven (laughs) hundred dollars so like you know when you are living on the um budget that a I don't know like uh, like a typical person in my position was living on um that's crazy so (laughs) that's all I mean to do is just like frame kind of what the vibe was and it just like it kind of starts weighing of like well how am I different like how do I stand out um, what can I bring to the table? And I don't think that's something that I focused so much on in college. Um, I focused a lot on like what characters I could play or what kind of shows I might be auditioning for, but not so much, you know, who am I and what makes me special and what am I bringing to the table? What can I bring to the table? And how do I believe in myself enough to walk in there with confidence that like I'm the only person for the job and that has taken like I don't know that that could necessarily be taught like that's kind of something I think everyone has to learn on their own which sucks honestly but um I feel like that's a lot of what I spent this past year doing because by the time the pandemic hit I was so exhausted Um, and I won't skip to that quite yet, but yes, I started feeling behind. Um, I needed to leave nannying when I moved, Um, so my next move was to Harlem, where I was subletting uh, at a friend's place, and at that point, I was working as a brand ambassador um, for this company called Mustard Lane, and I was catering, Um, I was also kind of working as a personal assistant to this family friend. Like I literally would, I decorated her Christmas tree two years in a row and I would deliver like her Christmas presents to people. Um, And I was babysitting and I started temping um, as an office administrative assistant for different uh, financial companies. I also continued my summer college summer job waitressing at a country club basically every time I went home and a few jobs in between like I I was at a I was a barista at a coffee shop for literally one day and the reason that happened is because when I was nannying I kind of wanted to make the transition but I and I and I kind of needed a second job but I didn't know whether or not I'd be able to swing the commute, like I had to go from this coffee shop is on the Upper East Side, and I was gonna have to make it to Chelsea in 30 minutes, and I just didn't think that was gonna be possible. So I told them that when they hired me, and they were like, "Let's just try it out for a day and see, like if it works." So I did, and ironically, the literally only day I worked there um, was the day after the Super Bowl in 2019, and. Um, the coffee shop was next to a bar and in the morning this detective came in and he was like we need to see your security footage because um last night late last night uh there was a fight on the sidewalk outside and a man slashed another man's face and we were like oh okay um (laughs) yeah like let's look at the security footage. So I'm like leaning over this detective's shoulder trying to watch the security footage to see if I could see a, a man get his face slashed which was just so alarming to me. Um we couldn't see it on the video, but that's the only day I worked there and it's actually not the first time that I kind of like I don't know witnessed crime. I don't know like when I was nannying There was one time I walked out of the apartment building and this man, like, just absolutely sprinted past me in all black and a ski mask. And then this woman, like, shortly after was like running after him, screaming that he stole her phone. And I was just like, I I felt like my head spun around. And then another time I, like, was walking to the apartment building and the apartment building was like taped off with caution tape. And I'm like pushing this baby in a stroller. I'm like, can I go inside? And the police were like, Can you prove that you are supposed to be here? And I was like, I guess, like I have the key fob. Um, and so and then I overheard them saying that I heard I overheard them saying that like the victim was five nine and like some kind of knife wounds. I I think that's all I heard. So they let me in the building and then I went up and then the mom came home and she was like, Uh, oh, did you see all of that? And I was like, Yeah and she was like Oh, I I overheard them saying that, like, you know, the suspect was still, like, at large. And I was like, what? Like, they let me in the building when they didn't know where the dude was? Like, okay, sure, okay. <laughs> so, I guess those aren't that dramatic, but it kind of felt dramatic at the time. Um. Anyway, so that was, like, you know... <sighs> I guess I was talking about jobs. My jobs have kind of been all over the place and that's something you are kind of told to expect, I guess, when you graduate is like, you know, they call them survival jobs and um, I ha- I knew that in theory, but I didn't really know what I would do with myself or what I would even Enjoy in the meantime, and honestly, like I spent so much more time doing these jobs than I ever did auditioning because that's just how hard it was to get into an audition room. Um, so not liking any of these jobs or not feeling like fulfilled by them started to weigh on me a lot. Um, and they're called survival jobs for a reason, like it's literally just enough to get by because you're also told that you should keep your days free in case you can audition. And um, while that's like all nice in theory, it doesn't really help when you are paying rent um, in like the most expensive city ever. So it's weird to recount just the facts because when I think about how I felt at the time, um, like it was just kind of dark and stressful and overall just like I just felt really lost and um, I didn't even know how to do anything about that really at the time and I picked up some unhealthy habits and was around some toxic people and I just didn't really know how to get ahead of this thing just none of it served me um, I was making enough to, you know, stay fed and sheltered, but that was pretty much it. And um, I, like I told this story when on Janae's episode, um, but like there was one time when I noticed that $100 got withdrawn from my bank account. For a check that I had signed like seven months prior and I lit- I just couldn't get out of bed that morning like that's how much like every dollar mattered um at the time and in hindsight like I am grateful like I know better than anyone how to stretch a dollar at least in my friend group um and I'm so glad I have that skill set honestly but it's it's totally unsustainable and um and i'm not afraid of hard work like i like working hard um and i it doesn't scare me to work hard um and but it wasn't the thing that was getting under my skin like if my only goal had been to feed myself and put a roof over my head fine like i was managing that and i was also having fun like i don't want this to sound like i didn't enjoy the past 3 years like i've I am very blessed to have some amazing friends and um, an amazing family that's always offered an abundance of love and support, um, but but I felt like no one really had any ideas about how to make the situation better, and that wasn't anyone else's responsibility, um, but I just felt like I was kind of drowning, like I was just running all over the city. Um, trying to earn a couple bucks wherever i could um to stay honestly just to stay there but there were two things that i think i was missing one was um just the sense there was something off like this pursuit of mine just something was off and then the second one was stability i felt like i was really lacking stability um both financially and even just like housing-wise. I've moved six times since graduating. When I, I moved to the city, I moved to the Upper West Side, that's one, and then I moved to Harlem, that's two, and then I moved home for the summer, three, and then I moved to the Upper East Side, four, and then I moved home for the pandemic, five, and then I moved to Brooklyn, six. So That is another way I've seen a lot of the city and another skill set that I have um, (laughs) attained has been packing, I suppose. And the silver lining to all of that is the fact that um, I have a home to go back to. Like My parents, even though they don't pay for my life, they are um, a very kind safety net and I do feel privileged in that way. So just to acknowledge that as I'm explaining this. Um, so I think that's where I'm going to transition into the pivot that I'm making now because I did have to move home when the pandemic hit, um, literally a year ago today that I'm recording this. Um, and that was scary because in January of 2020, I had already felt like I wanted to make a change. Like what I was doing was not working for me. Um, it wasn't meshing with my personality type. Um, and I wanted to make a pivot, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know what to do. I actually started thinking about like copywriting and editing like last January, but I, had no idea how to, um, go about that. So that was already like pre-pandemic. And then when I moved home, I was that much more confused because like, well, what the heck now? You know, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who can relate to, um, a feeling of purposelessness, um, which kind of informed a lot of my beginning of 2020 for me and um a lot of like crippling anxiety like I remember my friend tried to help me work on my resume in like April of 2020 and I could only do it for like 15 minutes at a time because I just would like cry or (laughs) I don't know just like freeze up like I felt like I was petrified like I couldn't do it I I didn't even know at that point um what I could offer to anyone um what I could bring to the table it's kind of like the same fear that I had during auditioning I was then like having trying to look for jobs I just didn't feel qualified for anyone I just always felt like there was someone better or someone more skilled and I know that that's a lot of what imposter syndrome is about and I feel like I felt that tenfold um so when I found Ricky, who has been a, incre- an incredible mentor to me, um, she really changed the game. I'll, I'll never forget, like, the first thing we did together uh, when she started mentoring me was she had me list my skill sets. And then she had me text, like, a few friends to ask for, like, three of my strengths. I got to write down my strengths, but then I also got to ask other people. Um, and just that alone kind of recentered for me a bit of self worth, and I know it probably sounds bad that it kind of had to partially come externally, but it was a great place to start. Um, just to be able to reflect on like, what are my skills? Like, what what does make me of val- I don't know. It sounds bad. It, it kind of sounds bad to ask, like, what does make me of, of value to someone else? Um, because I don't, you know, you don't really need anyone else's validation until you're applying for a job and you have to explain why you'd be of value to them. Um, so that was the reason I was doing it pr- primarily. And um, with her help, I was also able to finally like kind of put together what my story is at this point. And um, that's when we started getting into conversations about the theater world and acting and whether or not I'd want to return to it. And um, truthfully, I, I feel like it's going to come back into my life at some point, um, just not right now. Um, I love acting. I still do. And I feel like that will always be true, but it's just not it's not part of my path at the moment and I am perfectly content with that Um, but I did think about what I would miss about it and that's kind of what I talked about in the trailer for this whole podcast I was gonna miss telling other people's stories I love embodying another person's perspective another person's experiences another person's voice Um, I love justifying the choices that they make and just putting myself in someone else's shoes and trying to do their story justice. Um, So, knowing that, I found other avenues to be a storyteller and that's also when I just happened to start ghostwriting for online publications and that is like kind of a more technical way in which I've been telling stories because you know it's more like expository writing for brands but it's still like in a similar capacity to you know adopting another company's style and voice and trying to do them justice um and i also had time to spend on my photography and videography which have always been kind of passions of mine that i didn't do as frequently um and it's funny because i've kind of had this like acorn of an idea since college that i was interested in being a dp like a director of photography for film um and you know, never really kind of addressed that before because I was so gun ho about the acting side of things. Um, and then given this opportunity, I was able to do more research and spend more time looking into videography. And regardless, like, I still love writing too. Um, I would love to be in an editorial space, a publishing space. Like, there's so many cool ways that I found I could apply this storyteller mentality um, in industries that interest me and I hadn't had the time to look into before. And then in a more creative sense, that's where I started the podcast. I wanted to help kind of tell other people's stories, um, especially considering how many amazing, unique, People I am surrounded by. I just, you know, love the opportunity to share what they've been doing and what um what their story is. So that conclusion was huge for me, and I don't know that I would have really achieved it had I not been forced to slow down. Um, when I first came home, slowing down was probably the hardest part of it all because. I had just been a go, go, go for the past two years, three years now. I, know, I guess only two. And then, you know, this year was so slow. And that was so bizarre. And it was so difficult at first. And then I kind of got the chance to just reflect. And I think that was the The gift of it all I mean I I hate even like considering anything positive about this time but um for me that was huge like just slowing down reflecting on my lifestyle like what I could do with myself what I could change to better my situation um, what I actually wanted honestly because it's it looks different than what I I've been doing Um, so I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity had I not been forced to come home and come home and sleep in my childhood bedroom and then paint it gray because Um, It was pink and it looked like a 12 year old had thrown up on the walls. So um, I got to slowly grow into myself and grow into the person that I want to be and have wanted to be for some time. Um, So yeah. Not to mention like the gift of just spending time with my family. Um, My brother graduated from school last May. So most of the year we were both here, which, you know, hasn't happened in a long time. Um, And I got to play more music with my dad and my brother. Um, We started recording an album together Um, and I don't know, just like playing board games with my mom and watching movies with my parents and all of that stuff. Um, I, my brother watched the entirety of the Mandalorian with me and WandaVision just to like (laughs) explain it all while it's happening. Um, so those are certainly things that I feel grateful for. And I guess I don't make it, I don't want to make it seem like it's all said and done like pivoting has taken a lot of patience and it's not something that I'm done with because I am still on the job hunt Um, and I think that anyone who has looked for a job during this time can attest to how difficult it is and um, how difficult it is to even get a response. Most of the time I won't even get a rejection it's just kind of radio silence which um I'm pretty accustomed to because that's kind of how auditioning works too like that like rejection and or not hearing doesn't really um get under my skin because it's I don't know it's something that I've been experiencing since I was I started auditioning when I was 10 um but it's different when you kind of like you know, want to get off unemployment and, um, and do, I've spent so much time like this year intentionally addressing where I want to be and what I want to do and trying to take it into my own hands as much as possible. Um, so I know that the homework will pay off and I am manifesting it, but also working hard to make sure that it's going to pay off Um, and I'll probably do another episode by myself at some point just to keep reflecting on this journey and sharing any um, things that happen in between just to provide that kind of transparency that I ask of my guests as well. Oh god, I've been so honest on this thing and that is so scary and I also feel like I'm having a bit of main character syndrome even though this is like my podcast. I feel strange about the fact that anyone will actually want to listen to 40 minutes of me talking about my experiences Um, but I think I hope that being honest will prove my point that um there are so many things that happen in between any given person's journey and path and that's totally fine so if you did listen to this whole thing thank you for sticking around and um i do have a lot of cool guests that i want to bring on the show coming up so please stay tuned for more and thank you as always for your support Um, if you don't already follow the podcast, Instagram account, it is at Thoughtful Intentions podcast. I hope to have more episodes coming out soon. So stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening. This has been Fiona Winch with Thoughtful Intentions.